0: welcome to The Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories,
1: tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy.
2: Welcome to The Family Brain. Today I'll be talking with my friend Jill Cullinan about her experiences in couples therapy. Jill is one of those friends who just keeps it real, and I appreciate her vulnerability in sharing her own experiences and kind of helping break some of the mystique or mystery behind family or couples counseling. She is a good reminder that we all have, you know, high points and low points in all of our relationships, and the more we can open up about those and be honest and continue to work on ourselves, the better our relationships will be. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hey, Jill. It's Megan. Hello.
1: How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you? Good. 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 Thank you for taking the time to talk with me.
1: I'm very excited to talk with you.
2: Oh, good. So today we we were going to talk about your experiences in couples therapy with your husband. And I appreciate you taking the time to share these experiences because I think a lot of times people keep these things to themselves, kind of. The secrets behind family life, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's such a, um, you know, it's, I think it's just such a myth that, you know, if you admit that you're in couples therapy, that, you know, you must be in crisis, you must be, you know, somebody must have cheated, somebody must be gambling, or, you know, the stereotypes that surround it are just, and I think we've all kind of fallen victim to maybe believing that even for a second because um, it's just kind of what society, I don't know, it's just, it's what people believe and it's so not the case.
2: And I think sometimes people, and I, I'm sure I've done this, where you can compare, oh, they're in couples therapy, at least we're not that bad. You know, I yeah. mean, somehow it's like yeah. makes you feel better about whatever is happening within your own relationship.
1: Well, absolutely, and, you know, it doesn't help that, you know, it was funny, I was watching um, uh, something to talk about, just, you know, getting my my mom movie on Mm -hmm. around Mother's Day, I was like, no, I want to watch Chick Flicks, and there was a little part where they're talking about couples therapy, and, you know, and Dennis Quaid's like, oh, this couple's doing great, and Julia Roberts, like, they're in therapy, and she's on Prozac, and I'm like, wait a second, (laughs) there's nothing either of those things, right? You know? Right. I mean, I'm on so lucky. if I wasn't, boy, yes. <laughs> my kids are a much better mother, you know, they have a much better mother because of 50 milligrams of the big C for me, so, you know, I'm okay with that, you know, and, and I guess I'm just a really open person about it, um, you know, at first when I would comment to people about how we had started couples therapy, I actually would be like, oh, well, you know, it's not like anyone's cheating. You know, it's, yeah, no, we see a therapist, but, you know, we're we're not in crisis, we're fine. Nobody's cheating, nobody's... Then I was like, why? Why do I have to explain it? I'm literally perpetuating the stereotype of it by even going
2: there. Right, and I think that's true of individual counseling as well. I know, I mean, I have provided counseling to many people and have reassured them that, you know, it, it was okay and you don't have to be, you know, really, really badly off to engage in Counseling or therapy. Having said that, when it was time for me to maybe do that, I was resistant, you know. So it's it's sometimes um it can be tricky. But I was so glad that I did go.
1: Well, isn't there? A say, I, I heard somebody say to me, "Every therapist has a therapist," because you know we all have things to offload, and right. there's nothing wrong with it, you know. And I'm not a therapist, but. Um, I mean, I guess to my three kids I am, but I mean, really, I, I'm crowdfunding more for their therapy as yeah. as it goes along, with me as a mom, right. but, but um, forget college, right? you know, we're, we're, we're crowdfunding for therapy, Priorities. <laughs> link in the comments, no. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so what so, got you, so, yeah. so what got you to, what what made you start to be interested in couples therapy for you and your husband, and well, I think Got the big
1: thing was, um, you know, we were just in the thick of it at the time. And, you know, we're still in the thick of it. But we were really in the foxhole still, you know, of parenting where we had a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And um, the kids are just exhausting. And I feel like I'm in... The same space all day long between, you know, because you're always making meals, cleaning up meals, preparing Emptying the
2: dishwasher.
1: Emptying the dishwasher. And, you know, my house has the open floor plan, and it's like the kitchen's in the living room, essentially. And, you know, end of the day, my husband would be like, oh, you know, why just sit and watch TV with me? I'm like, I don't want anything to do with anybody, and I want to get out of this room. Yeah. And so I would go watch TV in the bedroom, and I'd, you know, kiss him on the head or whatever and say goodnight as soon as the kids were in bed, and he would watch, you know, ESPN and whatever on catch up on his news in the living room, and we were leading these parallel lives, Um, you know, we weren't in, at the time, what we thought was crisis, we weren't in that obvious, you know, he's coming home late from work or, you know. Or
2: somewhere. screaming, fighting all the time yes. or crying yeah. or, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I'm a pretty good fighter, apart Sicilian. So, yes. um, <laughs> But no, we, um, you know, yeah, there wasn't, you know, as I kind of look back on it, there definitely was a little bit of animosity building because there was no connection, but it wasn't just open contempt there was no i mean i loved my husband
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know i liked my husband it just was a matter of i was just touched out the tactile stimulation of three kids you know one who's home all the time and and it was it, it's just exhausting and i just wanted my space and we kind of fell into that habit and i just had this moment i don't even remember when it was but i had a moment where i realized you know, if we do our jobs really, really well as moms or any parent, our kids are going to grow up and leave, and then it's just us looking at each other, mm-hmm. and I want to still be able to enjoy time with my husband and know who he is, and because I'm so focused on my kids during this time period, I'm, I'm missing all this experience with the person that I started this family with. Right.
0: So and when you, I was like,
1: you know, I just don't want to be that couple that, you know, the kids are all off at college or, or even just high school, you know, because they're never home. And we're sitting across the breakfast table and we have nothing to talk about. Because yeah. I do think that's, you just, I think a lot of people just end up there. Right. They just, sort of a slow roll, totally roll too. Accident. Yeah,
2: slow roll. Yeah. Like, not anything totally one day. Yeah. So and it's
1: like, what do you do? Do you stay, you know, unhappily married for the next 20 years or do you split, you know? And I didn't even want that to be an option.
2: Well, so. and I was, uh, the couples therapist that I interviewed earlier, um, a couple of episodes ago was saying that a lot of times people stay in crisis for six years before they get, um, or a crisis or distress or just not optimal, you know? And I thought yeah. she was going to say six months, but you know, and once you're six years into whatever whatever habit, whether it's, you know, disconnection or, you know, I don't know what other habits, you know, just bad behavior habits, it's tricky after six years to shift gears, but at least there's therapists to sort of try to help get you back on track.
1: Absolutely. And we weren't doing this for six years, but I do think that when you say six years, I do feel like it had been a few years of us slowly just kind of getting on these parallel paths Mm -hmm. and we were walking side by side, but very rarely did our paths ever cross and you just get so busy, you know, and he was tired from work and I was tired from kids and, and you know, I had brought up couples therapy years prior, um, and his schedule was just really, really challenging. So, we got um, we got uh, seven principles to making marriage work, which is the Gottman method. Fantastic stuff. And there's some workbook stuff in there, and we worked on that. It, you know, it helped because you know we weren't really. It wasn't such a struggle that at the time we felt we needed a mediator or, you know, somebody to help guide us. Um, but we love the Gottman method. Um, the therapist that we sought out um, utilized the Gottman method. If you can ever get a um, get into a Gottman clinic, you know, like a, a one day seminar totally worth the money. I mean, really cause it's an investment and just like therapy, you yeah. know, therapy is expensive and couples therapy is usually not covered under insurance. But I mean, you know, even if it's $120 a session, and you go every two weeks, that's a lot cheaper than divorce right. and a lot less emotionally damaging to your family if your marriage is worth saving. I mean, obviously, abuse, things like that, totally different situation. But if you're in a situation where, you know, that's where we were. And it was like, hey, you know, we're doing this. So um,
2: so how was your brought- husband when you brought it up? Because I know a lot of <laughs> times, you know, one person is more interested than the other. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes, and... Fortunately, he was working, um, he began working from home at that point, so it did kind of remove the schedule barrier, um, and so he, you know, I, I kind of, he will say that these were not his barriers, I decided to proactively just kind of put myself in his shoes and just was like, okay, well, you know, my husband, you know, he, he's very into, um,
0: research, and, you know, as a physician, he's very into
1: research and academia and things like that. Not that he wouldn't respect anyone as, you know, just a therapy license, but I thought, you know, PhD, this, you know, would be great. You know, you can't can't knock anyone down for that, because, you know, when you feel kind of vulnerable, right, sometimes you just grasp, right, well, you know, they, what do they know? Right, right. Um, I also chose a male. Um, because, and again, I, you know, my husband is not sexist in any way. I mean, gosh, you know, like I, we have a joke that like, you know, nobody loves my husband more than, you know, an an older lady, you know, like he knows he's a charmer (laughs) with the ladies, you know, like it's,
2: you know, I was recently at a um, conference with him and a bunch of women, a women's conference and him, Uh and he definitely knows how to work the room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't know how to
1: work the room. Yeah, like, I mean, ladies in their 50s and 60s, like, they're all like, oh, you know, like, they bring him food, and oh, my gosh, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, he loves, he's, he's got two sisters, a really awesome mom, so definite female strength in his family. But, again, it's natural, I thought, you know, say oh, someone's taking sides. And so I, I kind of just looked at what his barriers may be. I also, you know, when I made the call, this was someone who took our insurance, so that was great, um, and they took our insurance as me going to therapy solo, um, but, you know, they also had sliding scales for couples therapy, things like that, and then um, the other was they were flexible. You know, it wasn't someone who, while we didn't have the really serious schedule issue, we still needed flexibility. You know, we still had three kids. We still had to get a sitter. We still had to work around, you know, he did have to work out of the house one to two days a week. So we needed someone that wasn't going to need, you know, that was, that was only going to have availability on days that we just couldn't make it. Um, and so, yeah, we found our therapist and, um, yeah, he was awesome. And I, I told Patrick, you know, like, here's all the things and, and I looked it up and look, our insurance will cover this and this is flexible and it's a guy and he's got a PhD. So, he, you know, definitely up on the latest stuff. And he was like, call, book it. Mm hmm. You know, I mean, it was just that easy, and I was really worried. Like, I probably oversold it. You know? Right, right.
2: But I would, well, it, I it sounds like really it, in worried. the moment it was very important to you, and sometimes when things are that important, you know, you want to be prepared.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I was just, I was really excited, and so we started going, and we actually turned it into a date night. Like, we, we would get a sitter, and it would be, okay, can you be here at, you know, minutes prior to our session and then stay for you know two and a half to three hours and the session would be 50 minutes and you know there were a couple where it you know, it was like you really got you – di- you dug deep into your relationship. But there was – somehow we always made it work. We were like, okay, you know, it was like, you know, wipe the tears and take a deep breath. And all right, you know, off to Chewies, woo mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want some nachos, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, we just – we made a date night out of it, so it kind of lightened the mood for okay. sure, right? We, uh, You know, it just – it worked – accidentally really well because we couldn't bring anything home with
2: us right so did you end up you know. talking about your session at dinner or did you try to shift gears or or just oh just, just depend- gears yeah. I don't
1: feel like we you know there were times that we would have a little bit of just well, that was a really good session and you know but we didn't dig any deeper mm-hmm. um we just made it a date night
0: I like that. um That's and then good idea. just
1: tried to utilize the tools that we were given from that session into, um, into our daily lives. And, you know, we were going every two weeks and then I would go on off weeks, um, every now and again, just to kind of work on stuff that I was working on. There was, um, while I, we were in therapy, thank God, there was a big trauma, um, in my life and my husband's life too. And we lost a friend, uh, to domestic violence. And that triggered me um, without knowing. I didn't know it triggered me. And it was the way that I found out that I actually have PTSD from a previous relationship where I was in an abusive situation for seven years was my husband said to the therapist he said you know i know we're you know getting into quite a few sessions here we're probably about a dozen and and i know insurance only covers so many and not that we're going to stop coming but you know would you be so kind as, you know like let us know how many more we have left with just a copay you know so we're just kind of ready for the for the change
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and he looks over and he goes well oh no i'm treating jill for ptsd you guys are you guys are covered. Like they can't, they can't cut you off. Yeah. and I looked at him, and I'm like, woohoo, crazy <laughs> chick for the win!" And like we high five right yeah. there. And our therapist was cracking up. Was I like, love it. You guys are gonna be fine. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? like, you know, if you guys are both high fiving over PTSD, we're gonna be all right. Yeah. You know, but I do, and it was funny because I was talking to my husband recently about the therapy thing, knowing that I was gonna have this conversation with you. And I said, "Yeah," I said, "You know." Um, you know, she just wants to talk about how you don't have to be in crisis and, um, you know, just very open about it, what a positive experience it was. And he goes, we were in crisis. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, I was really, really tired of everything going. On. I, like, he he saw things very differently than I did. And even that was eye-opening now. We're <laughs> over a year out. Wow. And I was like, really? You know? And he's like, oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just starting to kind of, like, just push it away. Like, I, you know, not that he was, you know, calling divorce attorneys or anything, but he was feeling um, definitely some some struggles mm-hmm. in our marriage at the time.
2: Maybe sort and of just, resigned, like, just like, hmm, yeah, I guess this is just, how. Yeah, yeah, he just kind
1: of acquiesced yeah. to the relationship. And that was what I was afraid of. Mm-hmm you know, of happening. And it was already starting to happen. And he's like, yeah, we wanted the perfect time, but he hadn't communicated that to me because he had just acquiesced. He's like, well, I guess this is what marriage is.
2: Yeah. And And you know what? Sometimes it is. And that's the thing I think we need to keep in mind too. Sometimes it is. And it's sort of like, well, then what do you do with it? You know, just the ebbs and flows of a marriage, not just, um, you know, not that this is not, allowed to happen but it it's gonna happen and then what do you do you know what I mean
1: oh yeah there's times that I'm you know I get so frustrated just because I've had a really crap day and he'll come in and just you know see something that he isn't trying to be you know (laughs) mean or thoughtless and he'll just say something off the cuff and I'll just think to myself I just want to punch you in the face Mm -hmm. you know like I just (laughs) yeah this is normal. There you know, need to be I'm, more
2: um, engagement cards with that sort of sentiment inside, just oh so people gosh. know what they're heading towards. Because then, when something does, when they' when you do hit that valley, you know, you don't, oh, you yeah. realize you're not doing anything wrong. That's just oh, yeah. life, and life has oh, seasons, yeah. and there's peaks and there's valleys, and and don't congratulate yourself too much when you're on the peak, and don't beat yourself up too much when you're in the valley. You know? Oh
1: no, I just, you know, I just equate it to feeling stabby.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm, just, I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm feeling stabby. I'm stabbing you with my eyes. Oh. Like, you, know, you know, just like you know, you just kind of envision the other person as a pin cushion, you just shut up, shut up, shut up, you know, and it's but it's so normal. Right. I mean, you know, I oh you know, and social media doesn't help, right? I mean it doesn't help that everyone's, you know, perfect pictures of things like that and I, you know, I remember reading and it. I'm sure it's not True all the time, but I did read an interesting comment ironically on Facebook one day that said the um, the best sign of a healthy relationship is no sign of it on social media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not, I mean, there's a lot of wiggle room there. Let's put it that way, but it does make you feel like, oh, well, they're on vacation all the time and they're they're going away, and oh, look, they're on another date night. And, you know, and they're showing the world and maybe they're showing because they're happy or maybe they're trying to, um, memorialize it. You know, I mean, I make photo albums out of my Facebook. I, you know, there's a, there's an app that I use and it's kind of cool. It's like, Oh, this was our year. Mm-hmm. Boom, done.
2: What's the app and called? The maybe people. we'll have them sponsor this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my social book. <laughs> my social
2: book. No, I'm, I'm really yeah. just curious. Okay. Yeah. Cause I you want can, to do that. Okay. Pick
1: what you what you choose you can have posts you can have photos you can have anything and I get it every year and it's like a yearbook for your life and it's super cool and yeah um but yeah I do that and or maybe they are trying to just you know show forced family fun I don't know but you know social media does make you feel like oh okay well maybe we're not doing enough or We're not, you know, not making enough money to do these things or we're not spending enough time together or it's just this constant, but it's kind of like, oh, well, did you hear so-and-so's in therapy? Oh, well, Mm -hmm. was he cheating? Was she spending too much money? It's, you know, it's the whole, we worry so much what other people think. Right.
2: Well, that was one of the things when I was providing therapy to women is a lot of times one of my first recommendations was to either get off of social media or limit social media because it seemed like time and time again, what they were talking about was a comparison of their life to what they were seeing Uh, their friends do. And when you're in kind of a down spot, you're just, I mean, we can all be susceptible to comparison and to sort of, oh, my weekend wasn't that good, you know? But when you're Uh kind of feeling down anyway, or that that's something that's maybe a weakness of yours. It's comparison. It's just it, it can be a trap, for sure. And well, I felt it's
1: the keeping up with the Joneses, right? Right. I mean, we're still doing it. Just like you know, our parents were used to doing it in the '80s, and and you know, their parents are in the '60s. I mean, we're all. I think we all, at the heart of it, just want to fit in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or be you know normal, or you know our idea of what that is. Mm-hmm.
2: Or know it's, that we're okay, or we're doing enough. I mean, that's, to me, it's sometimes, it's, even when it's not about fitting in or belonging, it can also be just that indication or that reassurance that we're enough, that we're, what we're doing is okay, and that we're okay, and, you know, we're doing a good good job. Um, and you know
1: what, when you're doing, when, when it's not working, like, for me, I just let my freak flag fly. I'm like, you know what, today's Yeah, Robert. like, today is the worst and I, I actually find it cathartic to, you know, post failure moments on Facebook, too, because you get and, you know, not in an attention seeking way, just kind of in a funny way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't take a picture of me laying on the floor, you know, like with a bottle of vodka snuggled up with it, you know, as a joke. <laughs> and I'm like, here's my day, you know, yeah. and it just it, it's kind of a oh, yeah, I've been there for all my friends or yeah. they think it's funny. And it, it just kind of. You know, everyone just kind of commiserates together in a comedic or, you know, just lighthearted way. Like, yes, I've been puked on 16 times today. This sucks. You know, I'm over it. You know, And it's okay. Or, you know, I'm just having a really bad day. I'm just having a really awful day and, you know, brighten my day with, you know, a a picture or, or something. You know, I mean, there's ways to use that to help yourself feel better, too.
2: No, I agree. I agree. So when you got into therapy with your husband, what were some of the tools or what were some of the things you discovered um, that were the most useful to you?
1: Hmm. Well, um, I think that for me, I discovered that I wasn't as blameless for our lack of communication as I thought I was. Um, You know, I think you always go in, even when you're not in a really bad, sticky situation, like, oh, well, you know, they're going to find out that all these things are wrong with them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, it was, I just really, really, really was bad at communication. Um, I used to say to my husband, he'd say, you know, I really, that really hurt my feelings the way that you said that and he came from a family that communicated those things and I'm not saying that my family was bad at communication it's just we didn't talk about feelings like we just didn't just a different you know not that you know my mom or dad didn't want to know it was just something you just didn't talk about right. you know very blue-collar family dad goes to work comes home eats dinner watches tv you know mom works and kids you know help and that's it you mm-hmm. know and you do your job
2: right and well, and I think a lot of times parents, they, their parents didn't speak to them that way. So it wasn't exactly, really skills that exactly. were exactly, they were a product of their household right. too and of the generation. And generation yeah.
1: and you know, and just, there was definitely not an overparenting situation mm-hmm. when I was growing up, that's for sure. Um, but, and they were wonderful people, but at the same time. I just wasn't very good at, at communicating and I remember getting frustrated with him cuz he'd be like I just say something very short and it could just it could be anything just a disagreement and I would just say something you know like would you just can you take the, this out or do this mhm and he'd be like really like you got to be like so snippy about it you know and I'd be like I, I'm not one of those people. I don't have time to pepper everything I say with fuzzy adjectives to make you feel better about what I'm asking you to do. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I would actually yeah. say that to my husband. Yeah. He just stand there, like, well, like, can you just say please? Yeah.
2: But can having said chill? that, when you're exhausted too, it's oh. really hard to to say things yeah. nicely when you're tired. It really is.
1: And I think, and I think as moms, we just get used to being bossy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not blaming it on my kids or on my momhood or anything. I'm just a really abrupt person. You know, at least I used to. I still kind of am. But I used to be more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, like, I'm the person that I'd go through the drive through or something, and they'd be like, hi, welcome to Burger King. Would you like to try And I'm like, no. Yeah. No. We're wasting everyone's. To me, it was, we're just wasting time. Yeah. You know, life is short. It's over in a blank. Come on. Yeah. Move, move, move. You know, I don't have time for this. And I would just, you know, that's how I was. And he was like, "Well, can we just talk about this? Like, What's there to talk about? Just do good, you know." And I was just very short fused. And so I learned um, to. Uh, our therapist gave me a breathing technique when I felt stressed, or overloaded, or like I wasn't going to say anything really positive, (laughs) we just get a little hot, and it was, you take a deep breath in through your nose, and then you um, keep your mouth closed, and you kind of almost make a bubble out of your mouth with your exhale, and then let it just kind of slowly come out, just kind of slowly erupt from your mouth, so it's like a... When you're just blowing very slowly and just kind of purposely exhaling. And there'd be times he'd come in and I'd just start breathing, <laughs> like, turn right and walk
0: away. It's oh, like, I just got here. What happened? Yeah, yeah. I just walked in. Yeah. I just walked in. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? And so there was that. And then he actually had to learn how to respond to me. As having PTSD um, in a way that didn't make me feel threatened, even though he didn't mean to make me feel threatened. Um, but just very, like if, if he would ever get frustrated and just kind of like start, you know, as we get frustrated, we get a little loud
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just kind of become kind of, you know, and I would just, boom, I'd go into fight or flight and it was almost always fight. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his fault. It was just, you know, I had, you know, gone flight for many, many years, and that didn't do me any favors, so I was more prone to going into fight mode. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, kind of learning the tools to for him to just kind of understand, hey, you know, while I'm not responsible for all of her triggers, I am responsible for how I potentially trigger her right and so yeah I mean it's just things like that um,
2: and at that point you didn't you weren't really clear on the on the impact that that past was having on you or on your relationship no, this was newest. no it all yeah. just
1: came really fast flooding me like I had been out of that relationship since 2002 no 2000 very early 2003 and we were in therapy, and we had been together since 2004, let's put it that way, and we were in therapy in 2016. And so I had been out of that relationship for 13 years, and there's zero interaction with that person because he passed away. And so, like, you know, but I started having nightmares again, mm-hmm. and... You know, unfortunately, you never know what's going to trigger you until you're knee-deep in it. Right. And I do remember my therapist basically saying, you know, when you get a trigger, you know, maybe your first instinct would be to kind of allow yourself to breathe through it and process. He's like, nope, just swipe right. You just have to, like, because if you give it any space in your head, it's really just going to work its way in Hmm. and it's you know and it's funny because
2: so describe that a little more swipe right I mean I'm guessing I have a sense but move along like okay do
1: not give it any rent okay no free rent in my
2: head like dad like you have to you know find distraction okay that because
1: you never know how deep it's going to go how deep in that rabbit hole you're going to end up and I have ended up in that rabbit hole and I've ended up completely non-functional for about two days Um, like my, my PTSD one time got triggered, um, well, more than one time, but a few times through my therapy sessions, which I knew going in that this is a trigger that would probably happen. Um, but there were things that I had to work through in order to make my marriage better Mm -hmm. from my previous relationship. And, um, you know, I just remember getting in the car after those sessions and just texting my husband and being like, I can't come home. I can't, I can't come home right now. I have to mm-hmm. sit here and, or I have to go like walk around Trader Joe's, which is so happy. You know, mm-hmm. like, I need to just, I need a distraction. I need to. We have so many good forward.
2: product placements. I feel like this might be my first episode with advertising. Yes. We got Chewy's. Yes. We got, what is it? Uh, social so, book.
1: My social book. My social book.
2: And Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. So basically this episode's going to make me very, Joe's. very rich.
1: <laughs> they gave me flowers for Mother's Day because my kids were like, our dad's out of town.
2: <laughs> That's so like, sweet. I love it. They sure, all... you can
1: have some flowers.
2: Yeah, they always try to make a connection there, which I appreciate. I love them. Yeah,
1: But, yeah, I just, you know, it's just, I just needed a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I do remember my husband feeling, he obviously, it was a moment where I was like, wow, he's actually really kind of worried about me because we went to a couple session and he was like, you know, I know that you guys are working really hard and I appreciate everything that you're doing for my wife, but when are these challenging sessions going to be over with her? Because she comes home and I don't have a a partner. You know, my wife is not there. That's not who comes back in the house. It's this like person and uh, it's, you know, like, it wasn't like, oh, I got to do everything because she's completely an invalid. It was, he was heartbroken to see how completely frozen I was yeah. that I just, I was just this emotionless person because I was wasted.
2: Yeah.
1: I was just wasted away for a couple of days. he's like, I just can't, I can't watch her do this anymore. And he was like, we're done. And he's like, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: well, we happened to be done. I mean, it was only a few sessions yeah. that were really hard work. But they were really important work.
2: Um, and so that was his but, point with the PTSD is do that work in the session. But when you're out correct. in the world, yeah, just kind of keep it together. Had,
1: and, you know, there's, there's always, you know, just said, like, if you're out in, because um, I said to him, um, I brought up uh, a moment where I was triggered and I was with my kids. And we were at a restaurant and a song came up. And a memory that I had buried, just boom, you know, like it hit me. And in, I mean, faster than I could blink. And I'm there and I'm like, what do I do? You know, and I just freaked out, you know, and I wanted to crawl under the table. I wanted to run out of the restaurant, but I can't do that when you're with your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're going to freak everybody out. Right. And so I was just like, hey, here's crayons in the kids' menu. Let's play tic tac toe, you know, like really loud and just trying to drown out the music. And my husband's looking at me like, what the, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to play tip tac toe now, right, you know, right. and you know, I talked with my therapist about it. He was like, that's okay. That's yeah, that's swiping right. Just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we don't need to be so aggressive and hyper aggressive about it, but yes, you have to just kind of push it away okay. because you can't allow yourself to get frozen in that moment. Um, I actually had a trigger last week driving my kids to school mm. <laughs> and, and something triggered me. Music is a big one, but I never know what it's going to be. Right. You know I can't like, there's nothing that's safe and I'm driving my kids to school and something happens and I remember the memory. I think to myself, I should probably pull over. And this is all in half a second's time. I think to myself, I should probably pull over. But then I think to myself, but if I pull over, I'm going to have to call someone to get my kids. To take him to school because I'm not going to be driving again for a while. I won't like I, I'll sit here and have a panic attack. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, so I was like, boom, off goes the radio. Hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do this weekend while Dad's out of town? You know, and da 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 da. You know, and I just kind of had this whole like, are we going to have a sleepover in my room and watch movies and eat popcorn and and you know just this really, and I still felt like garbage the whole day. <laughs> You know, the whole day, the way I can describe it is, it's like when you move, and you're about three, four days in, and you just don't even know what to do anymore. Like, you know things need to get done, but you're like, I, wow. And then at the same time, you feel like I get hangry, you know, or it's like, I know I need to eat, and I'm real edgy, but I can't figure out what to do. And it's, it's just that edgy feeling. Yeah all day long, and I just don't want to be in public, and I don't want to have to engage anybody, and I want my kids home, and I, you know, and my kids were all at school, one was at a friend's house, and I was thankful for that, but at the same time, I was like, oh, I have to go out in public and get them, you know, it's like, you just want to be a hermit, because you know that it's like that day where you just, you're like, I'm going to get an accident, or something's going to happen, something's going to go really wrong, it's just that day where everything freaks you out. Yeah. And you know, fortunately, it's only about a day or so.
2: You and think I it's the adrenaline? Is it time. like adrenaline that just kind of keeps you hyped up, or what do you? What do you? Get I don't know. I think it was is. just
1: like for me. I think it was just like I was on the edge of an anxiety attack. Okay. Um. And I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what it was. I, you know, I wish I did. And there's, I don't think there's any answers because every person with PTSD has such different reactions. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. You know, here's what works for me. Right. Swipe so right. You know, don't give it any space.
2: That's what is so interesting about this idea of couples therapy too, is that it's sort of like the deal with kids, how kids teach you so much about yourself. you know, when they push your buttons you learn a lot about what you what you're all about. Um, but same, but we all have patients in public, right? Right. Well, I don't, but that's good. <laughs> I gave up on that a long time ago. I'm God, like, no, yeah, what people think of me, right? If that's
1: what I do in public. They're like, what is she doing behind closed doors? Right.
2: I know lately I've been embarrassing one of my children because he's in that. I'm crazy everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. used to get embarrassed, but now my embarrassment muscles are much stronger and I don't really get embarrassed. So, um, oh, no. that's not true A 100%. But anyway. Um, my point is, is that couples therapy, I think, would do the same thing and just teach you a lot about yourself. You know what I mean? These these things it about does. ourselves.
1: It's so, it's so introspective. It's so, it's like, wow, the person that I need to work the hardest on relating to, like, this is how I'm relating to them because it's how I'm relating to myself.
2: And it's and so it's easy just, to point the uh, finger, right? And say, this is uh, about you. Point the finger. Right. Don't we all? Don't we all? I mean, a lot of yeah. it was him.
1: Right. <laughs> he was an equal partner, right? At least, no, but you know, it was just. Um, I'm kidding, but yeah, I mean, it was just. Um, we found out things about each other, and he did a couple solo sessions, you know, which I thought was very useful. Um, and we never talked about our solo sessions to each other um, by choice. You know, I I don't discuss my prior relationship with my husband because. It has nothing positive. It brings nothing positive to our marriage now. And really, I just, it's not out of shame. It's out of, he doesn't need to know how bad I was. Mm -hmm. You know, it would just hurt him because he loves me. And so it's not something that I choose to talk about. It doesn't mean that that's the way other people should do it. But for me, There's nothing, there's nothing cathartic about talking about how bad it was. I just, you know, like I've had people actually ask, you know, how bad was it? Like, you ever see Doctor Phil? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It would have been worthy of an episode of Doctor Phil. Like, it was pretty bad. It was pretty gross. Um, but that's just where I leave it because.
2: Well, and that's one of those things. Always
1: has it worse. And, someone, and you always have it worse than someone else. So really, what does it matter? It's over, right. you know?
2: Well, and talk about triggering. Like, if you start getting into the details of what somebody's asking, that's not really safe territory for you either, sounds like. Yeah, I and mean, you know
1: what? It used to not bother me to talk about it. And now I have found that since my PTSD actually kind of got triggered and, you know, into full swing, that, yeah, I really could. I don't think I could talk about it mm-hmm. safely in
2: So I know one of the things, this is sort of switching gears, but one of the things Uh that you had talked about was um, that during counseling, you had a traumatic incident where you lost a friend to domestic violence. And that is a friend we share in common. And I wanted to know if you could maybe just sort of talk about that time. And um, one of the things that one of the things that has come out of that tragedy is we have founded Project Brave. And so I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about that time and just sort of how you came to the idea of Project Brave.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. So having been a survivor as victim slash survivor or survivor, as I like to call myself, of domestic violence, um, when our friend was lost, I went through what my therapist termed as um, survivor's guilt because I was in a relationship for over seven years and she was in it for over a year, that relationship. And I was like, how did I go through all that? And I walked away from it. You know, I was angry with myself. I felt really bad. Like, how did I survive it? And she didn't. And, like, she was way smarter than me. She was way more accomplished than me. I was just, you know, white trash chick and, you know, didn't know any better and was young. And, what, you know, what's this? And So I went through this whole process. And um, I just remember feeling like, yeah, I'm not allowing this to be the end of, of her story. Like, she's got way more to do. And she just, you know, you know, she loved kids, loved kids so much. I, don't, I think there's one picture of her and I together because she was always grabbing my kids. She was like, give me, give me right. the kids. Yeah. She tried to steal one of my kids one day. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to take this one. Uh, she just started walking out the door with, with, with him, yeah. And, um, and she was just like, okay. And actually she did take... Uh, my daughter, one day from a party, she was like, I'm just gonna take her. Bye. I'm like, okay. She said, I'm just gonna take her home. You have fun. I was like, okay. Uh, thankfully, we lived down the street from each other. So, um, and I just remember thinking how much she loved kids. And I was watching my kids play in the backyard um, a day after her service. And they didn't know what was going on. I wasn't, they were just not in an age where we were comfortable telling them. Um, but it was the whole week of spring break. So they were home all the time, which was amazing. Uh, like no break emotionally I still had to kind of mom through that one and we um, were outside and they're playing and I thought yeah like she would want to do something with kids like she would she protected all these kids you know like I kept thinking up in heaven she's like just the protector of all the children, you know, until their parents get there, right. you know, all the children who've been lost. Like I truly believe that yeah. that's where she's, where she's at and what she's doing. And, um, so I, I didn't want to put her name on anything because I didn't want to exploit her own children and, uh, or her family in any way. And I talked to her mom about the idea first because if I didn't have her mom's blessing, I wasn't going to move forward with anything. And, um, her name actually translates to the word brave. So that was kind of cool. That's how we came up with, um, brave. And then I talked to you guys about it and, you know, everyone was like, yes, yes, this is what we're going to do because, you know, I looked back at myself and I was like, well, how did I end up in this relationship? And, you know, I had always dated the bad boy, you know, Mm -hmm. the guy that, I think my first boyfriend, you know, had a mohawk and a wallet chain down to his ankle, and you know, just very attractive. And um, you know, I just I found that, yeah, I was just really attracted to that. You know, and in 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 the boy bands, I was always you know the guy who was the one setting fires to hotels. And, Drinking vodka getting drunk on the street, you know, I don't know why I thought that was just really really sexy And before I really even knew what sexy was, you know, I was like this this, This guy's the guy, you know, and no one ever told me any different um Not that it was anyone's fault. It was just I don't think anyone ever thinks about that like oh, maybe maybe not that guy um Because you know, you're 11 12. It's not like you're gonna date that
2: guy, right?
1: but yeah, um and so You know, we started kind of talking to people and all the data and research out there kind of points to um, that how our relationship skills are formed between the ages of six and 10. And so while really all kids in high school are learning relationship skills and they have, you know, workshops and seminars and they have people come in and they talk to them about it, I feel like at this stage, most middle schools do. But I think the problem is that we requ- we equate relationships to dating. And so people don't think that little kids, you know, in K through five should be discussing relationship skills when it's not dating. Relationship skills are how you react on the playground when somebody, you know, tells you, well, if you're not, if you don't play with me with this game, I'm never going to be your friend again. Well, you know that kid doesn't know that he shouldn't be saying that the other kid doesn't know that they should be saying, okay, well, I guess I will, you know? And so it's relationship skills between children and that's how we learn how to relate to people as adults and what's acceptable and, you know, what's attractive in, in a partner. And even, you know, it, it kind of even goes into like work relationships and, You know, I mean, my hope, too, is that, and I know kind of everyone in the, in Project Brave, you know, it's that not only are we helping people kind of understand their own boundaries, you know, kids, on what is acceptable to them and what's healthy to them, but we also have the potential to help kids who may become the aggressors, the the schoolyard bullies, You know, from becoming adult bullies and aggressors. That doesn't mean that those are people who are going to become abusive or murder somebody, but maybe they're just like the jerk boss. Right. You know? And so it kind of hits it from both angles, which I think is the coolest thing about it is that we're trying to help everybody just learn not just how to get along, but how to relate to one another, how to have boundaries with themselves, empathy, courage self-awareness, you know, and just kind of start implementing those social-emotional skills um, through, you know, such an easy vehicle for kids, books.
2: Right.
1: I mean, you know, my kids still, my nine-and-a-half-year-old still wants me to read him books. They love it. It's bonding time.
2: Well, and it's a nice way for the adults to get the message as well. At One of our recent um, events for Project Brave, I was talking to some of the people that were there um, at the store and I was telling them about how, you know, we're working on teaching kids about healthy relationships. And one of the women was there with her grown children. She said, can I learn too?" you know, and it, I mean, it's just it's this thing where there's a lot of adults where that's not a skill that they were taught either. So it's it, what we're trying to do is is put it in the hands of as many people as possible.
1: Well, and, you know, it always blew my mind, you know, when I learned that, okay, if your child is on the autism spectrum or is, you know, considered a special needs child, that they are taught social and emotional skills through their school. But if they're not, nothing, it's not, it's not required and it's, It's not for lack of the teachers wanting that or the social workers wanting that. It's just not something that is part of the mainstay of the curriculum. And I was like, okay, well, it's typically not, you know, the little eight-year-old girl with autism who's the playground bully. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's one of my kids. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's one of your kids. Uh, it's, It's the kids who don't have an education plan at the school who are typically the ones who are bullies or being, you know, being bullied or, but it's just such a large, regardless, it's just such a large portion of the population, right. student population that's being overlooked completely by accident.
2: One and of the, um, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, people are just so excited. Yes, I mean, right. It's like when really like you tell people what we're doing, especially educators and social workers, they're like, finally. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone's doing something. I mean, we are super grassroots. I don't think anyone's working solely at this stage with elementary school kids. Right.
2: And I want to put out there, we're not claiming that through these books we will end domestic violence. No. Domestic violence is a very complicated, multi-pronged issue. but um, many factors. Right. But this is just one way to try to look at improving the situation. And helping people treat one another better.
1: Trying to make kindness the culture. Yes. And that doesn't mean that that's going to fix the world. But, you know.
2: We can try. We can try. We can try. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, hey, we're giving away books and, and conversation starters and bringing in speakers. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it won't work, but a whole lot of people believe that it will because we have so much support members of the community. I just
2: did this great interview with a woman who's a lecturer at Stanford University in their Department of um, Graduate School of Education. Uh, Her name was Denise Pope. And I think her episode might air right before yours. And she has this organization called Challenge Success. And the whole idea is that we have this very rigid um, way of measuring kids' success, school success based on test scores and how quickly can you do your multiplication tables and how quickly can you read this paragraph and spit out the answers and that we need a broader definition and more like varied assessment tools in measuring success in schools. And to me, this oh, yeah. is one of the best or one of the key critical aspects that schools need is to teach this these skills. Well,
1: emotional intelligence. Yes. Right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's... it's- it's, I think we just assume that empathy is part of the human condition when it's really not. I mean, that's, isn't that scary, but like, it's not, it's like we have to really learn how to use it. I mean, it's there, it's in all of us, but we have to learn how to use it. And, and even I feel like I'm not an expert on it, but I feel like with time, you know, the definition of what empathy is, of what, of how we relate to people changes you know, I mean, or at least the, the definition of what we should be doing changes. Um, you know, like how we were talking about how, you know, my parents, you know, didn't exactly learn communication skills from their parents, you know, well, it just wasn't something that you talked about, you know, you just went through it, you know? And so, well, you know, now I love it, you know, people are talking about empathy and what it means and how to relate to people. And, You know, especially in a world full of social media where we can hide behind screens. And, you know, if we want to be our evil twin, we can. Mm -hmm. And we're really not held accountable for it. And, you know... It's also nice
2: that I feel like our generation, I'm not saying this is gone, but there's more acceptance of men being more in touch with their feelings and that it's okay to talk about feelings and that it's not just... Oh, well, that's, that's what the ladies do, you know? Oh yeah. And that's not everywhere and and that's not, no, they
1: have to, they have to find a job with a drill and they have to be manly and drink beer and yeah, they don't talk. And yeah, I mean, it was, it's exactly it, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, we're just so much more accepting of it.
2: I agree. So is there anything else that you were hoping that you would be able to share with me before I ask you my final question?
1: Um, I
2: mean, (laughs) I think we covered a lot of territory. We did.
1: We covered a lot. I bounce around so much. I'm sorry. We both do together.
2: We both do together. That's for sure. Yeah, Lots
1: of squirrels, lots of squirrels in the conversation. So
2: my last question for you is one of the things I like to ask people at the end of the episode is just what they do for their own self-care you know when you're trying to keep a family brain healthy and keep others in your family healthy and keep the family stable what are the things that you do personally to make sure you're taking care of yourself
1: I was very excited for this question I actually put a lot more thought into this question since the last time we talked so for myself and I know you had said this in an earlier episode that you're not a gardener but I'm like, I love not just gardening, but like when I need a break, I tell my husband I'm going outside to water Mm. (laughs) and and the kids stay in the house and I just water my vegetable garden. I water my flowers in the front yard. It's just so calming to me. Just holding the hose Mm -hmm. and just watering, you know, so I do, I like gardening. I like that. Um, Reading is a big one for me. Um, Listening, actually, great recommendation, by the way. You told me to get some AirPods. And I pop those into my ears. And I listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And, um, you know, I love true crime. Oh, I love true crime. And I just listen to those all the time um, while I'm just kind of doing stuff around the house. And it gives me a break. And my kids know that if we see that I have my headphones, my ear pods in like, mm, it better be real important. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, we're gonna,
2: we're gonna pause. We need a nine one one situation.
1: We had better, we had better. Yeah. Something real. <laughs> um, and then for my family, what we like to do is, uh, like have game nights. Um, another big one that I like is we at dinner, we have what we call our highs and our lows and every night at dinner we discuss our high and our low of the day. Because I, I don't want my kids to think that all they can talk to me about is the good stuff. Like I get and, and also that the good stuff has to be really good and the bad stuff has to be really bad. Like sometimes your high is just, Hey, I didn't have any homework today. It wasn't, oh, you know, Somebody came to school, and did a presentation, and it was amazing. No, it's just hey, I didn't have any homework today. That was pretty awesome.
2: Right.
1: And and I want to know what your low was, you know? And so we'll say, okay, um, my my four year olds are pretty funny. She's like, my high was having dinner with my family, and I got a hug from someone at preschool, and mm-hmm. look like, you know,
2: at yeah, it just keeps going, it. yeah.
1: And then and she's you know she's like and I got a. Oh, and then she'll be like, and my low was, you made fish for dinner, mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> it was just like, but we talk about that every night, and the grown-ups, too, you know, we hear from my husband, we hear from me, you know, and they, and when we do that, it's like, you have to be a listener, and so it kind of challenges them to not be interrupting mm. or adding to someone's highs and lows, mm-hmm. which is really hard in my family, oh. we are family of interrupters.
2: Me, too. We... Myself included. Yes, me too.
1: (laughs) And then another thing we do is um, I just, I journaling, like group journaling. Um, And I didn't, you know, buy real expensive journals or anything. I just got like a spiral, chunky, you know, kind of small notebook. And I'll say to them, I'll go, hey, you know what? Go get your journals. And we'll all just kind of spread out in the family room or on the bed. And they can draw, they can write. We all do it together. And then they can kind of look back if they want and read what they've done, um, especially for the little one. I mean, she'll write her name in, like, you know, her little new serial killer handwriting, like, 50 times. Mm-hmm. and hmm it always <laughs> so looks real funky. And then, but lots of drawings, you know. Right. It just kind of tells you what kind of mood she's in, too. Because, you know, she'll draw her family if she's in a really good mood. She'll draw, you know, rain clouds and stuff if she's in a bad mood. It also kind of gives us a sense of where they're at. Um, but they don't have to share it with us, only if they want to. But, yeah, we all just kind of journal together. They think that's fun.
2: That's a good idea. Then, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that with the summer coming up. We'll see.
1: Yeah, and it's not like every day. But it's right. just like hey, who wants a journal with me? And I even break out, like, colored pencils. You can write colored, colored pencils. Pen. You can color, you know, and it's just its just kind of a free form of expression. Um, you know, when one of my my middle one, my eight, uh, seven-year-old, has been working on poems in school. So he's writing all these poems right now in his journal. Love it. Different. He's like, well, this is this poem. And it's kind of fun, you know. Right. Like, oh, that's cool. You know, right. and he'll share it if he wants to and he won't if he doesn't. Perfect. One time he wrote his brother a, a note because he was mad at him. You know, it was like, you were really mean to me, and I don't like you very much, and I don't think you're on my side. You know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is
2: good, though. Right?
1: right? It, hopefully it means he's not going to punch him.
2: Right? That was very know? good processing.
1: Yeah. And, and I got to a, a break up a fight, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's what, that's what I do for self-care. And my husband and I go on date nights, or we'll have, like, date nights in. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, I'll order, I'll get pick up a really nice, you know, just like some cheese and meats and stuff and fruit. And we'll just kind of sit and watch TV together. I mean, every date night doesn't have to be out.
2: Right, for sure. Um, Sometimes know, the best ones are that. in. Yeah, because you can be in your pajamas. Oh, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share all your experiences and talk about your family life, and we learned so much from you. I appreciate well, it. thank you. I'm honored to have been out.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.